been so wild lately. He doesn't seem to listen. He doesn't obey my commands, and we can't even bribe him with trees. He's gotten so out of hand, he may even have to be put down. God is not the problem here. The problem is the people who want to be the leader of the pack. We reintroduce God. We retrain people. You're listening to The God Whisperers. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you. Glad to be here. I'm serious. It's getting a little crazy. Oh, you're too kind. Thank you. Come on. Oh, no, 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 no. No, really. No standing O's here. Not no. That's that's not right. That's not right. Oh, we love you too. Thank you. Thank you. Wow. All right, simmer down. I'm humbled. Come on. Come on. All right. All right. Thanks for being with us. Welcome to the God Whispers. Oh my gosh. Come on. Uh, it's, it's getting out of control here, Greg. Guys are. Serious, it's embarrassing. I knew we shouldn't have done a live show. Thank you. Thank you. Please, please be seated. Ma'am, thank you. Thank oh, you. man. Whew. Wow, what a crowd. Yeah. What a crowd. You know, we're, we're feeling the love right now. We really are. I'm I, Craig D'Onofrio. I'm Bill Swirla. And uh, we are the God Whispers. You're listening to the God Whispers. Turn me off, Lord. Turn him off. Turn me off, Lord. Turn him off, turn me off, Lord. Turn him off. He's gonna keep singing till you turn him off. The spirit got in me and crossed my wires. He's gonna keep singing till you turn him off. To sing is my objective and my only desire. He's gonna keep singing till you turn him off. I tried to be good, yes, I've always tried. He's gonna keep singing till you turn him off. But I ain't waterproof, so I ain't baptized. He's gonna keep singing till you turn him off. Turn me off, Lord. Turn him off. Turn me off, Lord. Turn him off. Turn me off, Lord. Turn him off. He's gonna keep singing till you turn him off. Don't think I've got a soul, but I've got a circuit board. He's gonna keep singing till you turn him off. And a bunch of batteries and a power cord. He's gonna keep singing till you turn him off. I've got the power to sing for 10 years or 11. He's gonna keep singing till you turn him off. Then I'll do some data entry for the good Lord in heaven. He's gonna keep singing till you turn him off. Turn me off, Lord. Turn him off, turn me off, Lord. Turn him off, Lord. Turn him off. He's gonna keep singing till you turn him off. He's gonna keep singing till you turn him off. He's gonna keep singing till you turn him off. I'm gonna keep singing till you turn me off. I'm gonna keep singing till you turn me off. I'm gonna keep singing till you turn me off. I'm gonna keep singing till you turn me off. I'm gonna keep singing till you turn me off. There it is. But I think that it's it's someone like Paul or one of these people uh, <laughs> asking <laughs> what are these one of these people? Bible writing people. <laughs> Those guys, yes. You you illustrate. You said something that brought to mind a, a phrase that a. 
a daughter of a friend, a pastor friend of mine once said about dating, which I, I, I carry with me all the time, and I say it in all kinds of youth groups, that dating is a catch-and-release program. Yes. And, and, and you, you apparently uh, uh, subscribe to this notion with that 150. I mean, you're rivaling Solomon there, actually. In that. But, uh, <laughs> now, I didn't say that uh, this, this, I took them into my house. Well, now, now like I was going to ask this because I think this is important. Yeah. I, I assume this, this is done with a very above-board, you know, honest approach that, that basically says, I, I'm looking for a life's mate here, right. and, I, and I'm not messing around. I'm not going to waste your time or my time. Right. You know. Right. You know. It's. It's. Yeah. It, that's exactly it. When. When. When Craig and I would talk, he would say, "Okay, we could take this to a whole different sinful depth, but I'm not willing to do that." And because this underground thing that that's going on took it to a whole different sinful depth, but Craig kind of brought it up above that and said how can we turn this around to be to to teach christian men how to meet and attract and and finally keep um women that 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 are of quality for them and keeping meaning and ending up marrying correct Correct. Is that close? Yeah, and, is that and going, close? Going back to what Bill was saying about catch and release, that's that's Mac. absolutely right. It's meet, attract, and keep. But you you make mistakes along the way, and uh, you meet people who don't fit, and people who reject you, and people that you unfortunately have to reject along the way, and you thank them for playing, and you move on to the next one, and uh, you don't make promises. You simply date plural until you find one that is worth pursuing in a relationship and you kind of go that way so anyway i think we beat that pretty well to death well and and uh, it succeeded to the extent that uh, you're married i am now you've you've discontinued this research i take it at least personally i i have discontinued it on a personal basis <laughs> good although uh steve here is He's my your research continuing yes. guinea pig i continued i continued to do the research that's true yeah. So yeah. Some of those I'm learning daily from Craig. Some of those habits die hard, but I'm sure your wife keeps you in check. When my wife hears this, this will be similar to when I say, you know, I've really been thinking of, of like, dyeing my beard or taking off my beard, you know, because my beard's all white. My hair's still pretty dark. That's true and, Santa Claus. And, and I, I would, yeah, I'm thinking Santa Claus one of these years. And, and, I, <laughs> and I say, you know, if I took off my beard, I think I'd look like 10 or 15 years younger. And my wife just looks me right in the eye. She says, and why would you want to do that? And I just go back to eating my dinner. Please hang up and try again. I, now, I'm thinking of, like, when your wife asks you, does this dress make me look fat, which is an impossible question to answer, of course. The, 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 the correct answer is? Uh, no. You're not fat. <laughs> no, see, if you answer no, that means you are fat, but the dress doesn't make you look fat. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a horrible logical the, trap. The wrong answer is it's not the dress. <laughs> That's the wrong. That answer. could get yes. That that, that the, do not go there. The, but but and this is for all the men who listen to this show. Is is the correct answer to does this dress or whatever article of clothing make me look fat? The answer is you are not fat. See now you're not actually answering the question, but the question should never be answered. This is one of those. It's like the crux talegorum. The 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 why are some saved and not others? You should never attempt to answer this question. You will go immediately 
into a, 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 tri- a tribulation that is beyond yours to handle. Lately, I seem to have had a lot of questions about repentance, metanoia, and I've, I find it interesting that I'm trying to get people to understand that repentance isn't saying, oh, that was bad, I'll never do that again, and then turning around and doing it again anyway, <laughs> right. because obviously you weren't very repentant if you do that. That's not repentance. Repentance is that change of your heart that God does to you, and what it is is it's instructing you to learn to hate your sin. Not saying I'll never do it again, but man, I hate that. I, that's right. I, I think that's the, way, that's the way Paul says, you know, that I know that in me that is my flesh dwells no good thing. You know, or the things that I do, I don't want to do. You know, I hate the very things that I right. do. And, and, you know, that's it. And, I, you know, we've all had those moments where, you know, you just, you just did the flip off on the freeway thing. Yeah. And you go, dang, how come I, I why can't I stop doing that? Just well, yeah. once, what the heck is wrong with me? Yeah, exactly. It's, it's those <laughs> aha moments where... I'm an idiot. Yeah, right. <laughs> Which, yeah, I mean, that's almost every waking moment of my day. Saying <laughs> Craig's an idiot? Yes. But, <laughs> but a sexy idiot. We preachers, I think, th- this is an occupational hazard uh, commandment for us. This, this, is, this is a particular danger for us because we despise God's word in a unique way because we handle it all the time. Yeah, isn't that true? Now, Luther, a little too familiar with it. Right. Luther said that preachers and theologians treat God's word the way a shoemaker treats leather. Yeah, it's just a raw material for us to work with. Wow. And actually, I think a craftsman handles his material sometimes a lot better than we handle the uh, material of the word. But there's a sense of taking this as it's just kind of a tool of the trade. And you forget this is the living and active word of God that kills and makes alive. I like to think of the hearts like it's like the the hooked end of Velcro. If you uh, if you pull that apart from the the fuzzy end, it'll stick to anything: sweaters, upholstery, you know, you name it. The heart unbuckled from God will latch on to anything and make it a god. Luther said the heart's an idol factory; it just cranks out idols. Well, you know, this is where, where we Christians do have the upper hand on this. Yeah. We, we have death nailed. And I mean, I, all, every pun intended. Yeah. You know, we're the only ones who can deal with death in the way of life. That, that for us, death is the way of life. Exactly. Thanks be to Christ. Attention. The following segment contains a home schooler alert. Attention. The following segment contains a home schooler alert. Attention, the following segment contains a home schooler alert. Well, you know, <laughs> you, you saw that list that, that we do not curse, swear, yeah. use satanic arts. Of course, I had a kid, he sees the word swear, and, he, and he's, he's memorizing this thing, too. So he gets to the swear, and he goes, Pastor, is what? He says, this mean I can't say shit? <laughs> and, of course, this is the middle of confirmation class, and, and, you know, everybody's kind of waiting for the pastor to have, just have a case of apoplexy there. And, and I, I, I proceed to say, no, that's not what this means. It, it, it also doesn't apply. And I said the other six words that George Carlin said you can't say on radio, which we could say here, but I'm not going to. And, of course, that, that got a phone call. 
Because that's that's the only thing the kid remembers from right. confirmation class is that pastor recited the seven words you can't say on the radio. Uh, he, he loves to, as I said, you know, in the first half hour, uh, to have Hebrew prophets uh, name uh, idols with such derogatory titles, uh, like Tohu, as we mentioned in Isaiah. Uh, in, in the book of Ezekiel, see, Ezekiel likes uh, to call these idols Gilulim in Hebrew, uh, which on a radio show, I guess I can say would be... Uh, We're not subject to FCC <laughs> regulations okay, all right, here. All right. uh, Go mean, for it, Reed. Yeah, Come on, yeah, a free moment. Okay, it's right here. I mean, okay, all the time. Okay, yeah, I okay. do. Well, okay, <laughs> they, they would be shit gods. Oh! oh that one, that one, trail. We're going to hear about that <laughs> one now. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Right. And I want it on the record right here. Now, I did not say that. Okay. <laughs> Beautifully Reed, done. Blessing did. Reed, yeah. Reed, you are but, in our Hall of Fame but, but right here. One reason I wear my clericals a lot is uh, it, it tends to tone down. Yeah, it's a lot of fun with the priest flipping you yeah, off. Yeah, can you imagine some guy coming, coming, he comes home to the wife and I says, you won't believe what happened to me, some priest flipped me off on the 57. Yeah, it's just, it's just mind-boggling. Actually, I did have that one once. I was going to the hospital. I was wearing my collar, and, and I cut a guy off. He was in my blind spot. I just didn't see him. I cut a guy off. He drove past me, and he had his finger extended, and then he saw me in my collar, and you could just see him turn like three sheets of white. He's like, oh. I, I attempted to make the sign of the cross. <laughs> when the guy on the freeway cuts us off, we our, our inclination is not to say, well, God bless that little guy. I just love him to death. You know, he's wonderful. You know, no. <laughs> it's ever, completely ever, the opposite. You ever honk? I when, want blood. You ever honk when somebody's got a honk if you love Jesus bumper sticker? Oh, and yeah, they flip, flip you, you off. off. <laughs> uh, actually, you're introduced to mom first, and you have nine months to kind of get to know her a little bit, and then you're born. So she gets a head start, and then you meet your dad, and he doesn't know what to do with you, and you're all squirmy, and, you know, dad gets sick in the. Delivery room, because y'all got to be in the delivery room now. Uh, my dad was a doctor, so he didn't, oh, your dad, he didn't no, get nauseous no, my, at all. My, my, my dad, <laughs> my, I don't know where my dad was when I was born, but he was there all the time when we grew up. But uh, I don't know the early story. But now, now of course, the whole birth That was thing back is, in the good old days when he'd sit in the waiting room smoke and smoke a cigar and, and just, <laughs> just, oh, one more payment. How am I going to afford this yeah, one? Well, uh. You know, the waiting room, the waiting room at, at, the, at the delivery wing of the hospital, is like a men's room. Yeah. Because this a bunch of guys hanging out and they're smoking and and just just hanging waiting for the news it's a boy it's a girl now it's a participatory event you've got to yeah. be there and and the video crew is in there videotaping the whole event and it's just weird you know i've i've, I've sometimes wondered whether whether churches should do like the the nba or the nfl and and we'll just have like trading deadlines between somewhere between christmas or or after easter before the beginning of advent where we can trade members and perhaps an elder or trustee to be named later Taking a vow is not going to make one sex drive go away as probably many people have discovered to their horror well, and then Origin went all the way and found yeah, out well, yeah, that didn't work either. Yeah, the old guy castrates himself and then with rocks, and then got to add I'd, the with oh, rocks. You had to go there. <laughs> oh, man. 
you know, uh, anyway. Three strikes. How, how do you even pick up a oh, stone after I the just, first one? I, I don't know. I can't. Uh, no. Anyway. And then he couldn't be ordained in some parts because uh, they were following the Levitical code. Yeah, he that mutilated You could not have tr- crushed testicles and serve as a priest. Dummy. So, you know, should have looked at the fine print before you applied the rocks, I say. <laughs> what are those pigs again? The Yorkshire and the... Uh, the Tamworth. The Tamworth. The oh, Tamworth and the Yorkshire. God bless them. Two more noble animals have never been known. They lay down their lives, or at least their backs, for bacon. They are a Christ-like animal in a lot of ways. The pig, you know, that's going to get letters. Wow, that is pretty you know, bad. That, that's, that's, you know. How can that have been considered an unclean animal? What kind of religion is it that would preclude bacon and, I might add, lobster? It almost challenges... Or the bacon-covered scallop. My, it almost challenges my belief in a deity that this would be <laughs> no, made illegal. No, no, no. Let me, let, me, let me rescue you from this. This paves the way for the New Testament. Yes, thank the you. The joy of the feast. Thank because, you. Because you knew there was a coming day, a dawning day of the Messiah when bacon would be permissible. All things are made new. Well, yes, and, and nothing is unclean. Oh, man. Tell me that Peter didn't see a, a, a Yorkshire or a, or a what? Uh, Tamworth, uh, Tamworth. On that sheet of animals, when God God basically tried to shoo him to you know one day he was trying to get him to Cornelius's house because you know Cornelius was frying up some bacon. On that day, there was much rejoicing indeed. <laughs> Do not call unclean what I have called clean. But think about it. You know, basically, God was just holding things like lobster, shrimp, scallop, and bacon in reserve for a greater age. Isn't that true? Man, we're privileged. I, I am so happy what to live blessing. in the New Testament era. Thanks be to God. I feel like I've just heard a sermon. Yeah. I, the I gospel. Do. There's, there's <laughs> much gospel in bacon. <laughs> free to eat bacon. And I'm uh, free indeed. Oh. I am set free. <laughs> You know, there's a story, and, and I believe that it's true. <laughs> right off the bat. <laughs> that Cinderella Snow White uh-huh. and Quasimodo were in a, a carriage together, and they're riding along. And Cinderella seems a little down in the mouth, and Quasi said, what, what, what's wrong, Sin? Is, is everything okay? And Cinderella says, sometimes I get the feeling I'm not the most beautiful woman in the world. And Tom Thumb says, you know, sometimes I think I'm not the shortest person in the world. Right then their carriage goes off a cliff and they die. They're met by St. Peter at the pearly gates. Of course, that's what happens every time someone dies in a joke. Yeah. And yes, there's always St. <laughs> Peter and the pearly gates. Right. And so... Single uh, pearl, I might add. So uh, St. Peter's waiting, and, and there's a room there. And he, mm-hmm. said, he, he said, please wait here. We'll call you in one at a time. Cinderella goes in. They call her. She goes in. And she comes out about 15 seconds later. She's just glowing and skipping. And they said, what happened? She said, I am the most beautiful woman to ever live. And they said, oh, well, that's wonderful. Tom Thumb, please come in. Tom Thumb comes in. About 15 seconds later, he leaves, and he's all happy. I'm the shortest person to ever live. And they say, Quasimodo, please come in. Quasimodo's in there for about 10 minutes or so. And he comes out, he looks really perplexed. And they said, what happened? He said, who's CFW, Walter? Let's make it better that, they're, that Thomas Aquinas and Luther are appearing before the judgment seat of Christ. Wow. And, and, and uh, Thomas comes with a, with a huge bag of works over his shoulder. And he, he places them down before Christ. And he says, all these things I have done for you by the power of your grace 
through faith for Christ's sake. So the formula still holds. Mm -hmm. Um, Luther approaches the throne of grace, and he has nothing in his hands. And the question comes then, well, Thomas had this this big big bag of works, so where where are your works, Dr. Luther? And he he says, I left them back there where they (laughs) served my neighbor. Um, and then I think that that illustrates the difference. You know, with with vertical righteousness, we have nothing. Right. We 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 bring nothing before God. Empty-handed beggars. And and we are clothed with the righteousness of Christ. Period. End of discussion. Before men, we have a whole bag load of works that Christ has done in order to bless the neighbor, because the neighbor in need is Christ incognito. You know, as often Mm -hmm. as you've done it to the least of these, you've done it to me. And I think that's where James comes in. Everybody always invokes James. What's James is talking about before men? Right. How you are justified, coram hominibus, before men. And he says, you can blather about your faith all you want. It's as dumb as saying to a hungry man, be fed. But you show me your you show me your faith, and I will show you my faith by my works, he says. So you can talk about faith all you want, but I will show you my faith by my works. And and he illustrated how Abraham did what he believed. Right. You know, and, and that's the whole idea. Faith without works is dead. It's not breathing. I warn uh, young couples in particular that, that uh, sex without commitment is, is a devastating thing. You learn some really bad habits because you, you learn how to, how to basically withhold yourself and protect yourself. Because, because in, in, as we we're talking about, this one flesh business of sex, you are completely open and vulnerable to another, uh, probably more so in the case of the women than in the men. And, and uh, as a result, you kind of learn how to not be entirely there and just kind of reserve something for yourself or, or protect yourself because you don't have that commitment. And this one flesh can end at any moment, uh, whereas with, with marriage you have that fence built around that it's, it's not quite so easy to walk off and forget about it. Martin Luther loves his run-on sentences. It, it, well, you know, it is. And, but see, that's the beauty of it. That. I think there's, St. Paul wrote in run-on sentences, too. Yeah, yeah, I notice. And it makes sense that Luther would be a, a Pauline theologian. Very much. Since they both had the same uh, grammatical issues. But I, there, I think there's a theology. There's the theology of the run-on sentence. And that means you can never stop at any one point and say, okay, let's just stop here and look at it. Now, we're going to do that. But, but really, it demands that you look at the, the thing as a whole. And that's the beauty, I think, of Lutheran theology, is it demands that you look at Christ as a whole, the whole person of Christ. And also, you can't divorce his person from his work. And, and it, just all, it just all flows together. It's a package deal. Yeah. And there's none of this idle speculation. You know, what did they say of John the Baptist? Now, there was a religious guy. Uh, all he ate was was locusts and wild honey. Is totally unshaven, unkempt. Wore this camel's hair thing. Comes looking like an Old Testament prophet, screaming repentance. And and they said uh, he hath a demon. <laughs> well, and they said the same thing about Jesus. No, Jesus came eating and drinking and partying with sinners and tax collectors, and said he's a glutton and a drunkard. You can never please the religious, no matter what you do. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> 
would you introduce us to this character named Jonah? Mm-hmm. I, I love mm-hmm. the guy. One of my favorite books. I'm always boarding ships to Tarshish, uh-huh, you know. Uh-huh, so, uh-huh. so, but tell us about tell us about Jonah. Oh, wow! That's it's a great introductory question, Bill. I would say that what we know about Jonah uh, comes uh, in Second Kings fourteen twenty five, and we know that he lived in the eighth century BC in the Northern Kingdom. He's from a little town um, south of Nazareth called Gath Hefer, and. Jonah has a really, really nice call. This is what cool. we talked about a little bit this morning. I, yeah, we know, we know some of those in this district. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, oh, I bet, I bet, I bet. No, he, he's a, a court prophet, uh, which is normally a bad thing, uh, selling out to the institution, uh, being a yes man to the uh, king at hand. You wouldn't equate that with synodical official or anything like that. No, you can't say that, but, See, but we can. <laughs> you know what's he's interesting? He's close to the heart of the beast there. <laughs> what is so interesting, and, and I'll just uh, uh, go out on a limb here, is that the more you study Hebrew prophets, certainly the more you understand Jesus. And you understand that Jesus is simply a, a continuation of this critique of not only society, but that's not really not the main target. The critique is the church, mm-hmm. uh, whether it's Israel, see, or uh, the Pharisaic Judaism of our Lord's Day. So it is, um, it's important. And, and actually, Luther talks about this, and I, I actually have this quote in the Jonah commentary, that uh, it is the task of the church to critique itself. And if the church does not listen to voices within itself, um, woe to the church. I love that. Yeah. That's, I think that's, that's, that's critical, the, the self-critique, the, the willingness to die to self, uh-huh. Uh-huh. which is what institutions won't do. Well, exactly. See, it's, it's, it's very difficult when you are uh, in the institution because you become blind and deaf uh, to its uh, failings and shortcomings, and those who point out such failings and shortcomings are usually branded as <laughs> an unwanted prophet, yeah, a or, troubler or, in Israel. In, in, yeah, Amos. Yeah. Right? In, in this yeah. day and age, not a team player. That, that's the that's, that's right. That's the cardinal sin well, right there. He's right. not a team player. And see, this is <laughs> you're we, divisive. We, yeah, yeah. we we all know how deadly this is, mm-hmm. and and how really. Uh, unbiblical it finally is. It, it's interesting that, that people who look at uh, Hebrew prophets from a, just a history of religions uh, perspective understand that there is no other religion in the world that it documents their beliefs that critiques itself. Since I have an Old Testament prof here handy, this is this is a great opportunity. Let, let me test something here and see how it works. Is is the storm on the sea? Mm-hmm, you know, and mm-hmm. we've got a bunch of those. We've got Jesus stilling the storm. There's right, a whole complex right. of these things. Yes, yes, yes. And the, the great fish. Mm-hmm. Um, any connections back to say to home and and Genesis one two the chaotic oh. waters and Leviathan the great the great sea monster personification of evil right right and right. and is this, is this coming is this is this lurking uh, sort of underwater in the background here <laughs> i i would not go as far as leviathan i i love uh Dr. Rod Rosenblatt uh, told me a story over uh, a carafe of wine one night that uh, he and R.C. Sproul were sitting across the table from each other at a conference, and R.C. Sproul said, Rod, you can't 
Or, or, or don't you believe finitum non capax infiniti? Don't you believe that the finite is not capable of the infinite? He says, the finite is certainly capable of the infinite because I believe in the incarnation. Jesus is a friend of mine. 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 He taught me how to live my life as it should be. He taught me how to turn my cheek when people laugh at me. I've had friends before, and I can tell you that he's one who will never leave you flat. Sunday was always matins in my church. I think that's where we left off. Sometimes known as Bacon Sunday. (laughs) Faith says of of the gifts of Christ as we say of bacon. Yes, absolutely. Whenever bacon is offered, we say amen, gift received, bring on the bacon. And may we have more, please. (laughs) They are a Christ-like animal in a lot of ways. The pig. What kind of religion is it that would preclude bacon and, I might add, lobster? There was a coming day, a dawning day of the Messiah, when bacon would be permissible. How do you feel about bacon? Which would just mean more bacon. Do you read about the guy who got arrested for for, uh, making coffee naked in his own house? Is that your neighbor? (laughs) Could have been me. Never fried bacon naked. I'm just saying, I love bacon. Nude bacon fry. Why bacon? Why bacon? Why bacon? Why bacon? My wife, uh, she uh, she handed me this on, on the way in. Uh, she knew we were recording, and it's all nicely wrapped here. Yes, nice tissue nice paper, tissue. Deck the halls uh, with boughs of holly. Very festive. Uh, with uh, but but very very ni- nicely nicely wrapped little yes gift here. And she said to open it on air. Well, let's get to it. But it's only um, what December? What's what's today? December sixteenth, seventeenth. It's our Hanukkah gift. It's a <laughs> was it second day of Hanukkah or something? Uh, Hanukkah but started on the eleventh. This seeing year, as how so the, this is going to this is going to air on the twenty first, which is getting mighty close. And, yeah. And and since my you know my wife said to open it on air, this is what I'm going to do. So that'll be post Hanukkah. So she said this is this is a gift to the God Whispers, and we would really appreciate it. 
Okay. And, and we'll get a laugh out of this. So, okay, well. So here, here goes. Here, here goes. So, so I'm. Dreidel, dreidel, dreidel. I made you out of clay. I'm actually dreidel, dreidel, opening dreidel. The, uh, the said gift. Looks, it looks like food. I'm thinking it's pencils. Oh, my. What is it? Bacon. <laughs> Moe's Dark Bacon Bar. <laughs> Good gravy. <laughs> Applewood smoked bacon, Alderwood smoked salt, and dark chocolate. Ooh. We're opening this on air. I By don't care. By all means, we are sampling the chocolate bacon. Well, who's this pictured on the back? Boy, that bacon was loud. I don't know. She's kind of hot, though. Yeah, well, no, hot no, chicks with no, bacon. No kidding. <laughs> What's up? Katrina. What, the, what? Who is this? Who is this Katrina? I don't know. But My. it's just more proof that bacon draws all the beautiful it, it, people. It does. It does. Here, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm opening this because, you know, I, I think this should be an on-air experience. All right. I have here. my bottle of water handy in just case in case does, I, I have in to case rinse. It does. <laughs> uh, we might want to grab that trash can over there, Bill. <laughs> Holy smokes, is that thing like... This is hermetically this sealed. Metal, that's steel clad right there. <laughs> I, I can't get into it. <laughs> I'm having troubles where, where here. Where am I? Wait a minute. I got a little bitty pocket knife on my keys. Oh, wait. Oh, here we oh, go. Oh, success. Here we go. All right. Let's... let's uh... The aroma. Oh, my goodness. How's the nose on Holy that? mackerel. This 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 could be you know we're putting up an if this is good we're putting up an at Moe's dark bacon bar again let's let's see the applewood the cover there this is by I'm gonna pass that cover over chocolat here. Um, applewood smoked bacon alderwood smoked salt dark chocolate so it's, you know it's healthy it's it's if it's, it's got it's, dark chocolate it's, it's, I'm handing I'm handing a Craig a piece there right now it smells like chocolate mostly it smells like chocolate sixty two percent all right ready all right here we go. <laughs> it's crispy. It's kind of got a, a little bit of a Nestle's Crunch uh, texture, but that crunch mm. is bacon, oh, and then the bacon comes out. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the the uh, holy mackerel! This is the this is a new breakfast food right here. That's a party in your mouth right there. Oh my goodness! Hmm. That's not bad. No, it's surprisingly good. So, Who like, knew? The, <laughs> the the initial the initial flavor is is chocolate, definitely dark chocolate, but then it it gives way to bacon. <laughs> you know, this ranks up there with the Tabasco chocolate that I had the other day. <laughs> that was pretty interesting too. It was that dark chocolate, and then it had a kick at the end, mm. which is pretty interesting. Very that's nice. a that's a it's a medley of flavors. These are two of my favorite things. <laughs> These are some of my favorite things. So there you have it. Moe's bacon dark chocolate. Bacon bar. Mm-mm-mm. Thanks to my wife Karen Thank for you, uh, Karen. for uh, taking care of the God Whispers here and all their chocolate and bacon needs. I know people at home are marginally grossed out right now, but it's actually good. Yeah. I like it. Katrina. I don't know who this Katrina is, Let's but see that. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, if if I was married, I'd be I'd be writing her a letter right now. <laughs> Dear Katrina. Yeah. Well, she she writes a little a couple of paragraphs. Thank on you this for bar. the delicious nature of your chocolate. <laughs> I 
attended Le Cordon Bleu in Paris. Yeah, now she's got credentials. You know, nothing says bacon like Le Cordon Bleu. Yeah, I got to let, mm. let me put this wrap away. We're mm-hmm. done. Done with that. Well, when we get to the break, we're going to sample a little more of that. This is this is <clears throat> dessert and breakfast all all together in one bar. She writes, "I began experimenting with bacon, chocolate at the she ten- was in college at the no at That's... the tender age of six. Oh, six. Oh my! While while eating chocolate chip pancakes drenched in anchovia syrup, as children often mm. do, beside my chocolate laden cakes lay three strips of yes sizzling bacon." Oh. Just barely touching a sweet pool of maple syrup. (laughs) This is is too much. I can't read it. And then the magic. Just just a bite of the bacon was too salty, and I yearned for the sweet kiss of chocolate and syrup. (laughs) It's like a dime romance novel right there. So I combined the two. There are women at home right now throwing their Fabio-covered novels to the side. We need background music for this. This was a turning point. (laughs) On that plate, something magical happened. The beginnings of a combination so ethereal and delicious that it would haunt my thoughts until I found the medium to express it. Chocolate. Art. This is art, is what it is. (laughs) I'm not done. From there... I want, I, want, I, want the, I want the listeners to have the full experience here. From there, it was just a matter of time, and what began as a love of salt and sweet quickly unraveled into an obsession. Mm. This happens. you got to be mm. careful. Yeah. First, the, un, the unveiling of the royal coupling in solid bar form, blending bits and pieces of applewood smoked bacon with a sprinkling of alderwood smoked salt and milk chocolate. And now, at long last... A dose of bacon for the dark chocolate enthusiasts. Same seductive recipe. It's working for me. Mm. But but in a dark chocolate hue. Really, what doesn't taste better with bacon? <laughs> Peace, love, and chocolate. Katrina. Now, I think if you simply had my bacon mug filled with cheese and then you dipped it in there <laughs> well There's, i mean just cheese not, with that we didn't follow the instructions Uh-oh. you know we what just we just started chomping on this thing like you know a bunch of yahoos all right here's how you're supposed to eat this okay so <laughs> first it says breathe 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 yes. so <sighs> what kind of wine would you have with this uh I, yeah, I think a nice cab cabernet oh yeah yeah Engage your five senses. Close your eyes and inhale deeply. Be in the present moment. (laughs) Notice the color of the chocolate, the glossy shine. Rub your thumb (laughs) over the chocolate bar to release the aromas of smoked apple. See, we did this all wrong, dude. All right, give me another piece. I mean, we were were biting out on this like a Hershey, like a Nestle's Crunch bar. You you got it smeared all over your teeth still. It's awesome. (laughs) I'm loving it. Rub your, th- I gotta, I gotta read that sentence again. Rub your thumb. Do we have to? Do we have to up the rating on this? Wow. Do you, do you think this is becoming NC seventeen real quick here? I think. I think the iTunes thing needs to have. An you know, I've heard only. it. I've heard it said that food and sex are interchangeable. Now, about this, how you talk about it. We're proving it right here. <laughs> Rub your thumb over the chocolate bar to release the aromas of smoked applewood bacon flirting with dark chocolate. 
snap off just a tiny piece. <laughs> Dude, we ate a third of this bar here. You know, this is, <laughs> we're talking three ounces. We ate, we had a solid ounce and just like yeah, I mean, we just inhaled this. It was you know? good. It it's was not M and M's we're talking here. Um, snap off just a tiny piece and place it in your mouth. Let the oh, <laughs> let the lust of salt and sweet coat your tongue. And this sounds like it's a sin. I'm, <laughs> you have to go I to don't con- know if I can get this anymore. You got to go to confession after you eat this. This commandment is, uh, you know, this is like a. And then, then you have Katrina on yeah, the back, I know. right? This here. is a serious Fifth Commandment issue going Good. on here. I don't, Maybe. Or I mean, Sixth Commandment, rather. Fifth Commandment. I didn't kill anyone or want to on this one. All right, I'm going to try. First, I'm rubbing. Now I'm wanting to kill you because you got. You, you've, you've managed to hoard keep, it over keep there. Keep talking. <laughs> Like you weren't doing it right again. I didn't see you rubbing it with your thumb. <laughs> and this is—it's it's bad habit. This is why we make the big bucks, folks. Right here, man. This is—you know—before this program, Bill was saying, "I'm not feeling it today. I'm kind of tired." He's just wired right now. It's the caffeine and the sugar and the bacon. Well, it kind of fits—it kind of fits the two kinds theme: chocolate <laughs> and bacon. <laughs> I had no idea before we started recording that we'd have this beautiful illustration. <laughs> so shall we then say that it's a sin to eat chocolate without bacon? <laughs> well, we could we could we could think about that. We should debate this for a second. If 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 you have chocolate offered with bacon or bacon offered without chocolate, it's not properly given. You know, at this point, I've really got to admit this is good. <laughs> One of the things that struck me as you were talking earlier today is that God has Jonah set aside as a missionary if he wants to be or not. Mm-hmm. And uh, the storm is raging, and they're afraid of Jonah now because not only does he probably own the boat, mm-hmm. but he's the only one not begging his God, mm-hmm. which, which mm-hmm. says he must have a pretty powerful God or something. And then he comes up and he says, my God's the God that made all of this. Mm-hmm. And they mm-hmm. say, whoa, you got a big one there. <laughs> and uh, he says, you got to throw me overboard, guys. And, and he does. Uh, they do it mm-hmm. reluctantly. Mm-hmm. And then they believe. They believe in his God. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And, and they offer, they, they do an offering mm-hmm. and, they, mm-hmm. and they, they firmly plant their faith in this God of Jonah's. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so God will not allow Jonah to not be a missionary here, even... By accident, with these things going on, he's he's got to proclaim Yahweh, and there's no way to get around it. Yeah, it's so ironic that um, uh, his short confession in uh, chapter one, verse nine, is then the means by which these people are saved. And and like you uh, said, Craig, this is not what Jonah has in mind. No, he doesn't want to talk at all. But he quote wins the lottery. Uh, <laughs> you win, and and, and he's got to talk. See. Um, so, so one of the uh, the ongoing themes in the book is certainly the efficacy of the power of the word. Not only is Jonah's you know spoken word here, but Yahweh's word that, like you said, you're going to go uh, whether you like it or not, and uh, you this, will be a means 
uh, of salvation, even in spite of yourself. This, this brings up in my mind also the Donatistic controversy in the early church. Mm-hmm. Huh? And for, for people like Bill <laughs> that didn't study their history, what? Uh-huh. That, that, <laughs> I'm going somewhere with this. Uh, I you can't know me wait. my tangents. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> but, but the idea was basically if your priest forsook the gospel or, or uh-huh. offered up a sacrifice to the emperor or something like that, then all of the works that that priest did were no good anymore. Right, right. And the church came around finally and said, no, that's nonsense. Mm-hmm. The word has its way through the word and the sacraments. God is doing this, not the man. Mm-hmm. And so in spite of the man, God will have his way. And so it is with Jonah. See how I brought that back around? Mm-hmm. He, it's mm-hmm. a good bill, huh? Yeah, it's fascinating. It's, isn't it? <laughs> he's just like, yeah. shut up. I'm just looking at my notes here. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, you know, Paul puts it this way in 2 Corinthians 4, 7. We have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the transcendent yeah. power belongs to God and not to us. Jonah That's definitely it. is a jar of clay He's in a crackpot. So what's the deal with the kikayon? <laughs> the plant. The that, plant. The, the vine yeah. that grows yeah. in a yeah. day and withers. And, You're right, right. Ah, nice yeah. shade. That's right. That's right. It, it, it is actually, uh, and, and this is one of the punchlines in the book of Jonah, in, in 4 verse 6, it's provided to save Jonah from his evil. Same, same word as the fish? The, the the fish and the plant are are symmetrical here. Exactly, they're means of grace. See, and oh, and and oh, oh. and most most English translations say uh, the the plant is provided to ease his discomfort. Ah, oh, that, that takes away uh, much of the the theology of the book, because in the book of of Jonah, God's trying to save people from their evil, and Jonah's got evil here, and so it's a means of grace. For God to to save him, so no so let me catch this now. Not only the growth of the vine for mm-hmm. its shade, but then its withdrawal and its withering. <clears throat> exactly. Now, what's it's, interesting? It's, it's raised up for the purpose of being withered. That's right. That's right. In order to save Jonah mm-hmm. from himself. Mm-hmm. Right. The, right. Is, is that right? Exactly. That was, so so within the, the the quote sacramental theology in the book of Jonah, um, when God. When Yahweh is the subject of the verb provide, okay, two times, the fish and, and the vine, Yahweh, see, kind of the, the personal covenantal God. But in the last two provisions, the worm and the wind, just the Hebrew word Elohim is used, which is interesting. See, so, so sacraments have, uh, well, the means of grace have a law and gospel dynamic, see, um, so, so the the means of grace in the book of Jonah, the the law, see part would be the worm and the wind, and that's not God's true nature. See, so you have the word Elohim, His true nature is to save. See, so then you have Yahweh with the plant and the fish. Does that make sense? So, so you have the opus alienum, see the alien work. With the worm and there the wind. There goes that Latin again, there, there as, as we've described so often. That's just a babe magnet. You yeah, know, yeah it is. It is. Well, I'm Shakes. telling you. Yeah. Especially in wow. Southern California. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but then the opus proprium. There you go. See? Opus yeah, right. yeah. is proper the work. proper work. When, when, when you want to see Yahweh at work, he's finally at his best in his true essence, saving, see, by mm. the, um, the fish and the vine. 
Man, you've, you, these, you've totally messed with the, the plant in my head now. This, <laughs> this, is, this, is, this is nice. No, not that there's a plant in my head, but, you know, the way I thought about the uh-huh. All right, All right. plant head. Well, not many people in Western culture actually have a little idol in their house these days that... Uh, it's you coming know. back in vogue. I thought precious moments collections were... <laughs> oh, those children scare me with their giant heads. <laughs> <laughs> Terrifying. Your little household gods. You know, you have that, that, uh, that chest of household gods there. I was in a, a Christian bookstore in St. Louis that will not be named, although it is affiliated with uh, the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod. And uh, they had a precious moments child stapled to a cross. And I picked it up and I said, did this little girl die for your sins? That's the thing is a lot of stuff just happens. This is the, this is the part that a lot of Christians have a, a hard time with. Oh, yeah. It's just dumb luck. Being in the wrong place, the wrong time, the piano falls out of the window and lands on you. You know, or, or you know, and I've encountered kids who think this, yep. that something bad happens, God's punishing me for something. Well, I think it's, I think it's I part of the fallen state. You know, we, we just kind of think that if you do good, you're supposed to get good. And if you do bad, you're supposed to... You know, get right. bad and, and and that that opens the door to the whole business of transaction. Yep, which is the book of Job. Job suffers. The only people who know why are the readers of the book. Yeah, because God and the devil are laying out a bet. Yep. You know, hey, check out Job. He's righteous. You know, <laughs> he loves me. You know, devil says, yeah, he only loves you because you're good to him. The poor you know. guy ends up with nothing oh, but man. a nagging wife and three really bad friends. Yeah, three, three crappy friends and a wife that says, curse God and die. And a bunch of festering boils. Yeah, yeah scraping his boils, just in misery. But, you know, the, the, the thing is you never get a decent explanation in nope. this book. And, and that, gets, you know, that gets to kind of the, the, the problem is the question, it cannot be answered faithfully. Why do bad things happen to good yeah. people or anybody? Right. Uh, it, it can't be faithfully answered. The, 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 all, all you can do is you can take the question to the cross and say, now there's a good person to whom some really bad happened and God made good. Yeah. This is how he saved you. If you're a person of conviction, you have to respect people with conviction, even though that conviction may disagree from your own. Uh, You have to respect people who take considered positions. And finally, those positions may be different. And what's our task in the church? To continue to uh, speak to one another, to be open to the Word of God. Bonhoeffer says somewhere that as soon as we fail to listen to our brother, we have closed off ourselves from God because our brother speaks the Word of God to us. The documents do show that there were disagreements. There's a letter on Winnikin suffering depression, and Walter wrote to him and said, well, I get the idea you don't like the way I'm so insistent on doctrine. And Winnikin writes back and says, no, I appreciate pure doctrine. Then he goes on to say, I think we've carried on polemics based too much on personality. 
And by doing so, we have driven people away from us who would otherwise have had open ears to us. Mm. Whitaker, before he broke off from the liberal general synod and then ended up a founder of the Missouri Senate, he said uh, he was arguing on the on the convention floor of the Pennsylvania Ministerium, and somebody was ridiculing him for his German accent. And Winnegan said, "Well, you've had bad theology and good English so far. Now you shall have good theology and bad English." <laughs> Was Winnikin the guy with the, the raincoat, the yellow raincoat? That, that, well, uh, he had these uh, ye- yellow pants. Uh, <laughs> which, he was in Fort Wayne, and he needed. He was known to be very poor. And look, look, he lived in a small log cabin, probably ten feet by ten feet, no windows, uh, one door, furniture hewn out of logs. You know. Uh, cut logs, literally table hewn out of a log. It must have been just a very little stump in there. That's that's how he lived on the frontier in Fort Wayne at the time. And uh, he dressed poorly and he gave away, it's well documented, he gave away his clothes repeatedly. And his parish was always <laughs> offended at how poor he looked. And he had patches in his clothes. So he goes in um, and this... Uh, this uh, non-Lutheran tailor is rolling, or merchant is rolling out some yellow English leather, and he thinks, I could, if I had met some pants made out of that, they'd never wear out. So he, <laughs> yellow he, leather. <laughs> this guy gives him this, and he has some pants made, and his parishioners see him in this yellow leather, and they're absolutely shocked and offended. <laughs> Ask him where he gets it, and then they take a, a load of corn over to the merchant and say, you're not going to be telling everybody you, you're the one who gave our pastor yellow pants. <laughs> <laughs> the, the story that I had heard the about, I, I guess I heard this from Bill Schmelder, who uh, spent spent a lot of time reading, but, but when, I guess Winnikin's parish gave him a, a new suit once, finely tailored suit, yeah. and, and he went off riding into, you know, because he did the, 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 the uh, frontier work, and he went off riding into the sunset in his horse on his nice new suit, and came back in his same his old patchwork thing. And I said, what happened to the suit? He said, well, there's a family the children needed clothes, and so I gave them the suit to cut up into <laughs> clothing. So it squares with your, you know, his heart for the poor. Absolutely. And, and his, his penchant for giving away his clothing. That's the, literally the shirt off his back. Would you say this is our moment worldwide? It is it. I've said it numerous occasions. This is the chance. If we could simply move, uh, if we could move, uh, and we can, a couple of million dollars, maybe a uh, million dollars per seminary gets us 50. That's 20,000 per student. That gets us 50 international graduate students from around the world at Fort Wayne and 50 at a million dollars 50 graduate students in St. Louis. There's no reason we don't have the capacity to do 100 at at each institution, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. paying for them via uh, dollars from the church. So, uh, and and with that kind of effort, training people who speak 100 different languages or 200 different languages, go home, and they bring the Augsburg Confession. They bring the the scriptures. They bring uh, Luther's catechisms to their own people, and they can figure out Lutheranism, believe me. If you could change one thing in the Missouri Synod as you experience it and see it today, just one thing, what would it be? 
I would improve preaching. Preaching. You'd go for the preaching. I'd go for the preaching. I, I think, I think uh, we need to sit in sackcloth and ashes together and reread Luther's Apostles and his daring preaching and compelling. At one point, his preaching shook the world. Hmm. We need to sit in sackcloth and ashes and read Dr. Walther's Law and Gospel together. And then we need to join hands as brother preachers, train our lay people on what is a good sermon and what is not, and make them demand good sermons, and preach compelling, urgent, textual, um, ringing bell law and gospel sermons that damn everything in sight under the law. The law meant what it says and says what it meant. It damns every one of us 100%. It's not about bean counting. It's not about getting certain sins right or wrong. It's not about improving your life 10%. The whole lot is rejected by the law. And then applying the gospel repeatedly uh, in all of its facets to every malady in life. That's what I would change if I could change anything. Preaching. The Lutheran Church is a church of preaching, and uh, that is where we most desperately need repentance and renewal. People are saying usually means that you have to translate that. It means my wife and I have said at the kitchen table. So you're saying the secret is bluffing. I, I love this question. How many do you worship on Sunday? <laughs> my answer is always, we have one God. I don't know how many you have. The blogosphere is just pooled ignorance. Yeah, it's bubbles. Finitum non capax infiniti. Ooh. How was that? There's, a, there's another yeah. babe magnet phrase right oh, there. Yeah. Yeah, the... yeah, my wife loves that one. That, that gets her going. <laughs> Well, we're going we're gonna to be debuting the Jesus is My Friend commercial at some point. Oh, yeah. Point. Stay tuned for that one. That's going to be like a mental virus. <laughs> once, once that invades your brain, you'll Song never... Song is, is hor- horrifying. Oh, we'll get threats it's, at that it's point. horrifying. You think we're offensive now. Wait till that becomes our theme song. That, that's <laughs> that's going to do it. Are you telling us that we've run out of time? Oh, we've got a minute. Oh, man. It's been fun. Crazy. I've had we a, still haven't talked about daily bread that much. Yes, we did. I, <laughs> I, I, think, I think it was a good balance of humor, uh, shtick recommendations books this was this was like the god whispers thread itself i think it was a total waste of time and i'll see you next week